Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Karen Litzy. And in today's podcast, I was absolutely thrilled to sit down with the lovely Amy Mewborn. She is a serial entrepreneur, CEO, author, and operations strategy expert. As an 18-year business advisor in finance, marketing, and operations, she has worked with business owners and large organizations such as Ford, Chuck E. Cheese, and Venturi Wine Aerators. Her passion is teaching women business owners how to use technology and systems to leverage their business growth and maximize their profits through automation. And she has a new book. I love the name. Love, love it. So her new book is called The Great Escape, The Successful Women's Guide to Escaping the Nine to Five, and it was just released this month. Now, we say this in the interview, but I'm going to say it here now as well. If you want to get access of a copy of the book for free, plus some free bonus worksheets, go to amymewborn.com slash book. And if you want access to a free video about automating your business to increase time and income, you can go to amymewborn.com slash free. And if you miss that in this intro, you can go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and it will all be there, all of the uh, links for all of Amy's very, very generous free gifts are all in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. So what we talk about in this episode is Amy's incredible health journey, which it really is something, and how she escaped the nine to five. We talk about building an information highway through automation technology, what to do if your launch falls flat in the online space. It's happened to a lot of people out there. And mindset challenges women need to address to kickstart their business and lots, lots more. Amy is wonderful. She's, she is a breath of fresh air. I was thrilled to talk with her. So you guys are in for a real treat today. But before we get to that, I just want to thank audible.com for sponsoring this podcast. So if you want a free month and a free download, just go to Audible Trial dot com slash healthy wealthy smart there's 180,000 books to choose from that's a lot of books um right now i'm reading grit and it's very very good um so hop over there again that's audibletrial.com slash healthy wealthy smart get your free month get your free book and of course all of this is on the website podcast.healthywealthysmart.com okay so without further ado please welcome the lovely amy mewborn Hi, Amy. Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you here. Thanks, Karen. I'm super excited to be here today. Okay, so before we get into the meat of the podcast, um, I would love for you to give the listeners a little bit more insight into your life. Well, my name's Amy Mewborn. I live here in San Diego, California. I run a bar studio here in San Diego, and I serve as a consultant for women that wants to grow or scale a fitness business or an online business. Um, my my life is is great, but you know there's always things that I think we're so busy doing that we wake up one day and we realize that uh, we haven't necessarily been following the path that internally our body's saying you really want to be going this direction, but we're always doing the smart thing. And we wake up one day and find that we maybe haven't necessarily 
gotten to where we wanted to be. Um, I, I don't know, I guess, where, where we want to start here, but I can say that for me, uh, I grew up in Indiana. I moved to San Diego in 2001. I met my husband in Hawaii on Waikiki Beach. Wait, like on a vacation or something? Yes. Oh, come on. That never happens. Total <laughs> weirdest thing in the whole wide world. Um, I, I was actually there with my family, and we made a mistake in our airfare and happened to have one more day in Hawaii than we had lodging booked. And so we had to go to a hotel there on Waikiki Beach, different than where we had been the whole time. And so on the last night of our vacation, I met who is now my husband on the beach at 8 p.m. at night. We sat and talked for hours and hours and hours on end. I literally walked, he walked me to the elevator. I gave him my email address verbally. He went upstairs, he wrote it down. We started emailing back and forth. We started calling back and forth. And then we started flying back and forth. And about eight months later, I moved to San Diego. That was, at this point, 15 years ago. And <laughs> here we are. So, that's you know, an, life is an, just too crazy. Yeah, it's an amazing story. And now, so before you started uh, in the fitness world, you had quite... A different occupation. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about that and what made made you make the switch? Sure. So a few things. Uh, first of all, my life prior was finance and I have a series 7, a series 63, a series 24 which, which is a managerial role and then I have a certified financial planner certificate. And I was very busy collecting education and trying to build a deeper career. And at 32 years old is kind of when I decided I was going to really, really, really cut the cord and make the change. But it had been something that had kind of been deep inside my gut for a while and I just wasn't listening to it. And... At 32, though, I started to look around and I realized that there had been a number of things that I had been ignoring in my life that I just wasn't happy and I wasn't kind of taking myself in the direction I really wanted to go. But one of the other things was that I kept meeting with all these amazing clients and it became very, very clear to me that if you want to build true wealth or build financial independence, you genuinely have to be your own boss in some way, shape, or form. If you're counting on your employer to provide you financial stability or financial independence, then they always have the potential to pull the rug out from underneath you, and you may never, ever really have what you were going toward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so what happened, were there any any warning signs or any steps along the way before you hit 32 that you were like, you know, maybe I should, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I need to make a switch. Yes, there were a lot of them. So the first one was that I would say at probably about 28, I was significantly overweight and I was really struggling with the fact that 
uh, I was going. We lived probably about an hour away from my office. And in San Diego traffic, that could sometimes be two and a half hours. Whoa, yeah. And so I was getting up in the morning at four or five in the morning. I was driving down to my office, going to a very high-end gym, doing my workouts, and then going to work, and then getting home a lot of times by six or seven at night. So it was a very, very, very long day. And even though I was working out, and even though I was actually eating fairly well, I was still gaining weight, and my life was literally getting to be outside of my control. And so two things happened. One, I came home, and it was a Friday afternoon, and I, the whole drive home, I was just getting more and more anxious. It took almost two and a half to three hours to get home that evening, and I walked through the door, and my husband says, okay, go change clothes. We have to go back south another hour to meet up with some friends for dinner, and I started to hyperventilate. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I said, you have three choices, and you get to choose, but one of three things is going to happen right here, right now. I said, I'm quitting my job. I'm leaving you, or we're selling this house, and we're getting closer to work. You choose. And so we decided to sell the house. We went closer to the office, and at the same time, I decided I was going to start taking Pilates and meet with someone on a, basically, I was going three times a week for private Pilates, so I could hold myself accountable when we moved, I started sleeping better, more regular hours, and the weight started to fall off. And so three times a week, you know, I would, I would trundle over to take my little Pilates classes, and everything was just so good. But then all of a sudden, um, I, I was really feeling like I needed to be making this change. So I decided I was going to go and become Pilates certified so I could do that for others. And it was an amazing experience for me. Um, it ended up, I was in the best shape of my life. I was having a really great time. And uh, one Sunday morning, I woke up and I just, I felt so good. I, I was Pilates certified. I was working five days a week. And then I was seeing Pilates clients every evening, Monday through Thursday. Wow, that's a lot. And it was. It was a lot. And that, again, is one of those things where you have to look back and see, okay, I realize now that I was trying to do too much, too, mm -hmm. just too much all the time. And so this Sunday morning, I got up and I felt like a million bucks. I went out for a run here in my neighborhood. And I'm not a runner. I actually hate to run. And then I came home and I got on my Pilates reformer and I did a, a full workout and I got dressed, went out with my husband, my brother and my sister-in-law and we were down at a shopping center here in Fashion Valley in San Diego and we were standing in the container store and the whole room just started to go completely black and I'm like, well, that's weird. And so about probably two or three seconds later, I started to get really, really weak. And so I leaned back against a table. And then shortly thereafter, my phone started to ring, but I couldn't see anything. Everything was just pitch black. 
And so I'm kind of fumbling with the sound and I pick up the phone by, by feel and I kind of push it toward my sister-in-law and I said, someone's calling, but I can't see it. Who's calling? And it was my husband and he and my brother were walking back into the container store and I put my head on his chest and I said, I'm really tired. I need to go home. And literally, I, I just melted down his chest, down to the floor. Mm. And I was in and out of consciousness for about 20 to 30 minutes, uh, kind of unknown. But I remember little bits and pieces where they're picking me up and they're pushing me through the container store in my little wheelchair. And they put me in my husband's Toyota Highlander. And we're driving to the hospital. And... My, my family still laughs about it to this day. Apparently, I was just completely out of it and just saying the weirdest, most ridiculous things. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just take me home. I'm like a computer. I just need to reboot. And mm -hmm. they're laughing. And they're like, no, you're going to the hospital. I don't care what you say. You're going to the hospital. So we get there. And ever the pragmatic financial person, I get out of the car and I'm looking around and I'm starting to come to and I'm like, well, we're here, but this hospital scripts and my insurance is sharp. You have to take me to sharp. And my husband's laughing. He's like, no, you're going in here. This is where we are. And this is where you're going to be. So while I was there, the uh, people in triage, I'm, I'm starting to come to and starting to remember more and more. And the woman in triage starts asking me these questions. And she's like, have you been drinking? No, I haven't been drinking. Have you been doing drugs? And I said, no, you know, I, I've never even taken a puff off of a cigarette in my entire life. I'm not high. And they're like, well, you're acting like you're just completely high. And so MRIs, CAT scans, all that stuff later. And they realized that I had thrown a blood clot from my leg into my brain. And I'm one of those weird genetic mutations that they're always warning you about on uh, birth control pills that be careful, you might, you might experience blood clots. So here I was, 29 years old, literally in the best shape probably of my entire life. And I had thrown a blood clot and I had a stroke. Unbelievable. And now, I mean, for many, that would be a wake-up call and a half to say, okay, hold on. I, I, need to, I need to kind of reevaluate and I need to maybe slow things down a little bit. So, how, so first of all, how long were you in the hospital for? And then what, did you, what steps did you take after this? I mean, this is a, this is a, a obviously very, very serious uh, diagnosis. So for anyone with any good sense, they would have sat there right then and there and said, you know, things just aren't quite right. Maybe I should look and see what's going on in my life. But apparently I didn't have any of that good sense. And so I, we were, I was admitted into the hospital on Wednesday and I was released on Tuesday night at about eight o'clock. And the first thing that I thought when I got home is, hey, I can go back into work tomorrow. And so I was sitting at my desk on Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Mm -mm -mm. And 
at that moment, that did not seem strange to me or weird or anything else. But I would say probably about six to nine months later, there were some things going on in the office and I was on a kind of my first vacation in a very extended period of time. And I got a phone call from the office and they were acting like their hair was on fire, like it was an absolute emergency. And it was so minuscule that I couldn't believe that my vacation was being interrupted for it. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment where I looked around and I'm like, okay, this is not working. I literally, I was back at work within 24 hours of leaving the hospital with almost 12 hours really of leaving the hospital. I'm here on really my first vacation in God knows how long and I'm getting phone calls about things that really have nothing to do with me. And so that was that moment where I started to realize that things just weren't right and I needed to be making a change. And all the while, uh, when I went back to work after the stroke, I at least did have the good sense I was no longer teaching Pilates anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I let that go. I was just working my regular nine to five job. And so I at least kind of dialed back the amount of time I was working but I was still kind of taking it all home mentally. And I, I was doing Pilates with a girlfriend before I had the stroke, and then I went back to Pilates by myself after the stroke because at 29 years old, I was experiencing some significant deficits. Mm -hmm. uh, my balance was off. My left side was very clumsy. And so one of the things that I really, truly credit with how fit I am today and now where I am in my career is that passion for Pilates, passion for fitness, passion for working with someone one-on-one, -on -one, and that person having the patience to work with me to help rehab that one side that really genuinely was probably never ever going to be remotely the same if we had not jumped in really quickly to help rebuild a lot of those synapses in my brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I was very, very fortunate. So shortly thereafter, I found Bar, and Bar was kind of that thing that all of a sudden it lit a fire in me that I hadn't had in a long time. And it was twofold. It was the fact that it was fitness. It was the fact that I felt like it was so effective for women. And then it was also the fact that for the first time, my financial brain was really seeing how I could make a business like that super, super profitable. Because even though my body kept telling me I needed to make changes. My brain was fighting it all along saying, you're a finance girl, you're a numbers girl, unless you can replace the six-figure income that your family is dependent upon, you cannot make a change. And so when I found Bar and I really started running the numbers, that was that first moment where I'm like, okay, I think this actually makes sense for me. 
And it's one of the things that now, here I am, six years later, after owning multiple studios, consulting with a number of people on opening studios, and then now building programs to help people automate their businesses, scale their businesses, and have multiple streams of income, is that I believe that as people, we're so busy achieving and we're so busy providing that one-on-one -on -one service that eventually we start to run out of time and we start to hit an income ceiling that we're never going to be able to break out of unless we come up with other income streams or we increase our prices. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's one of the two, right? But now when... When you were, you know, kind of mulling over leaving a finance job and kind of moving into a territory that wasn't 100% familiar to you, I mean, that's a big step. So what is your advice for someone who is maybe mulling the same decision? Because it does take a lot of guts and, and it can be really scary. Well, first of all, uh, you're completely right. It, it it is very, very, very scary. But I, I think where we kind of started this is the fact that a lot of times if we take a few moments to listen to what our bodies and our hearts are telling us, there often is kind of a gut instinct that is saying, you know, you really should look into this a little bit more. You really should consider this a little bit more. And Ultimately, you have to have the courage to take a risk because if you don't, then one day you're going to wake up and your entire life will have gone by and you'll have been, you've been going through the motions and never really gotten to where you want to be. So I think the big pieces of advice are listen to your intuition because no one knows what's better for you than you do yourself if you're taking the time to listen. And number two is do as much research and be as well prepared as you possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes people jump into things maybe without doing the amount of research beforehand. And like you said, you kind of ran the numbers first and felt, okay, you know, I think I can do this. But let's say you don't have that finance background you know, mm. and you don't have that, the amount of knowledge that you have and that you had kind of moving into this new career. Is there something that, let's say, you know, you're a physical therapist or you're a Pilates instructor and you're working for someone else and you see an opening for you that you feel like you can step into your own business. Are there people you would suggest to consult if you really don't have that background. Absolutely. So first of all, depending on where you are in your life, I believe that every person should have a financial advisor. Agreed. You know, there's just we as and we have in our family as a couple challenges with money at times. My husband and I come from very different backgrounds. We have very different opinions about money. And so I think a financial advisor to help you determine where you are, where you want to go, 
And are you taking the necessary steps to get there in your personal life is imperative. But if you're going to open a business, I think it is, it is one of the first things you absolutely have to have to be able to decide whether or not that's a good fit. Uh, even with my background, I still get phone calls all the time from women that have multiple six-figure jobs and they want to go open a business and I ask, well, do you have any capital at all? No. Do you have any cash reserve? No. Um, how would you go about getting financing? I don't know. And that's very, very common. So it's really important to have that financial person that can be helping you identify where you are, where you want to go, and how you're going to get there. And I also will say I'm a huge advocate on that person being like a certified financial planner or something along those lines in an ideal world because that person is trying to look at your life holistically, not necessarily from an investment standpoint where they're looking at your business opportunity as something that may take from their income because you're pulling assets out of their firm. And, and how would you know if someone is a certified financial planner? So you can go to cfpboard.net. Uh, there actually is a list of certified financial planners, and you can uh, read profiles about what their specialty is or any other number of things. And then I also am a huge, huge advocate of having business coaches. And, you know, even if you have a financial advisor on your personal side, I do not ever think that if you're launching a new business in an arena that you're not familiar with, that you should not have someone helping guide you on the business side as well, especially if you don't know how to read a P&L statement, a profit and loss statement, or if you don't know how to read a balance sheet or you've never had a staff before, or any number of things. And then I think one of the other things is no matter what kind of business you're launching, you need a really, really good attorney. Uh, yes, I say that. People ask me all the time, like a lot of physical therapists will say, oh, what's, like, what's, in your opinion, what do you think is the most important thing I need for starting my business? Is it this equipment, that equipment, this? I said, no, a lawyer. A it's good a good lawyer. You have no idea how many things could ever go wrong in your business until one or two of them do. Yep. And with my background in finance, I used to lay awake at night just thinking about all of the worst case scenarios. Oh my goodness, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's a blessing and a curse uh -huh. because... There are very few things that happen that I could be surprised by, right? but there are a lot of things that I prepared for that never came to fruition, and it cost me a lot of money or a lot of stress just planning for the worst. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it's really important to have that attorney helping protect you, your assets, or any other number of things. Yeah, absolutely. I think I agree. Um, and I, I know a lot of people, even just incorporating your business, 
I always tell people like, just please hire an attorney for that. I know you can maybe go on to legal Zoom or things like that, but if you're not an attorney, you don't know the intricacies and the ins and outs for your for where you're living specifically, whether it be the country you're living in or the state you're living in if you're here in the U.S. So I just think it's paramount to have a good lawyer. I agree. They they literally will save your bacon a lot of times. Yep, yep. Because I, I mean, anyway, people who've heard the podcast have known, like when I first incorporated my business, I took the advice of a not so great lawyer who was kind of connected to my accountant at the time, who's no longer my accountant. And it cost me a lot of money and a lot of heartache. And I had to have that dissolved and then got a, a much better lawyer. And now I'm in a good space. But so that's just an example of Losing time and money. Well, and there's very little worse than paying for something the second time. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> you know, nothing like writing that check and just looking at it and being like, yep, I might as well just burn it up because I, I just totally blew it the first time. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the worst. Um, <laughs> so before you had mentioned when you were kind of talking about where you're at now, um, that you are consulting uh, you have multiple bar studios, and that you're doing some online courses and automation and things like that. Um, so can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I think that's an area where a lot of people maybe in the health and wellness market are maybe not doing that as much. You know, I see a lot of that in marketing and things like that. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about what you're doing and how you're sort of helping women with, with this automation or the systems and that kind of stuff? So one thing that I learned a few years ago, I was at the time I was running two fitness studios here in San Diego. I was consulting with private clients on opening studios. I had a staff of 25 women. And I was absolutely exhausted again. And so I had again hit this point where I had been so busy filling my time with achievement that I realized that I had once again on my own made my life out of my own control because of how much I felt I needed to get done. And in doing so, it occurred to me that I was working really, really hard and I had kind of capped my income because I was dealing with all of these one-on-one -on -one consulting clients and there were only so many hours in the day. And it was funny because as I started to look back, I was having the same conversations with all these different people over and over and over again. And when you look at your life and you see that you're sending the same emails, you're having the same conversations, or you're doing the same things over and over again, there's probably a better way to do it. Yeah, very, very well said. And so I sat down and just started writing down all of the conversations that I started having over and over again, or someone calling me all the time and saying, would you mind if I took a copy of your liability form that you use in the studio or any other number of systems that we had put into place. And I realized that people were craving systems and they were craving ways 
to make their lives easier, but I was too. And so in writing all that stuff down, I realized that I could go and sit in front of my computer and talk into my computer and film a video and send that video to hundreds of thousands of people versus having that one-on-one -on -one conversation with just one. And I could give so much more valuable content and valuable information with less time from me. And then the funny thing that came from that was I started posting these videos on YouTube and doing them for free. And I started getting more calls for people that wanted to be clients. And so then I immediately knew I had something that was very valuable. So uh, I use Infusionsoft. I don't necessarily recommend that most business owners start there. I feel like if you're starting with an online business or an online program or you want to better manage your client base or any number of things, I really love Active Campaign. If you need something that uh, you want a great CRM system as well, client relationship management system, or if you just want email automation or something a little more along those lines, then something like ConvertKit's a better fit. And what uh, what is the just so that people know because a lot of people might not know those uh, different types of software. What is the mm -hmm. what are the main differences between an Infusionsoft or Active Campaign or ConvertKit? Does it matter so, how many people are on your mailing list or how many people are in your you know? Yes, yes. So those are huge factors. So uh, when I first started with Infusionsoft at this point now, almost five years ago, they were the only game in town for that kind of thing. So it was not unusual to be spending $300 a month on a program like that. But very few business owners have $300 a month that they want to throw into something like this, even if they have it, they don't want to spend it on that. And then also it's overkill for most. And at the time when they were the only game in town, it was a really great solution. Well, now it's amazing. Over the past year and a half, there's all these amazing competitors that are coming into the space. And uh, one of the things that I do now is I will spend time one-on-one -on -one with my longtime clients and help them build their funnels. And when I say funnels, they're, they're automations to communicate with clients in different ways, whether they're selling an online product, whether they're trying to get more referrals from a brick-and-mortar business, any number of things. But I found that for someone that wants to get started with this but doesn't have a list of over you know, 3,000 to 5,000 people and doesn't necessarily have to have every bell and whistle that something like a convert kit or an active campaign is a much better fit. And what will happen is you can set up all these little automations where if someone opens this email and clicks this link, then you know that they're interested in that service and they can get more information about it. Um, it helps you to not spam the people that are on your email list or your customers or your clients. It helps you to target who you have 
that you're speaking to. Um, if you have, for me, I have a number of different types of clients. I have my studio clients. I have my instructor clients. I have my people that want to open a studio client. And then I also have my business owner clients. They don't all want to hear the same message. My business owner that lives in Florida doesn't care what special I'm running in my San Diego studio today. Right. They don't care. Right, right. So, so you're talking about, so with this, whether it be Infusionsoft or Active Campaign or ConvertKit, you can uh, make separate, so let's say you have 3,000 people on your list, and I'm going to make this really simple. Mm -hmm. A thousand people are your studio clients, a thousand people are biz owners, and a thousand people are your one-on-one -on -one clients, Yes, if, which would be amazing. Um, but with, these with this type of software, they can kind of go into three different streams, so they're getting different emails. It's not all the same email to the same people. Exactly. Got it. So, like we started this conversation about you know, what conversations are you having over and over again? For example, we were talking about PT. And if you had a PT practice and someone was, someone made an appointment to come into your practice, then when they make that appointment, they can automatically get a welcome email that has their forms. It could be a video of you welcoming them to your practice and telling you about the mission of your business. And they feel like they already know you before they ever walk in. And then at the end of their session, you literally could go back into the, the customer's profile and say, okay, I want to give them information about knee pain or I want to give them information about shoulder rehab or things like that. And you can have that all built out where they're getting stuff that only speaks to them. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And thank you for clearing that up because I think a lot of times, like I hear a lot about systems and Infusionsoft, but no one's really ever said this is how it works. It's all about automating the things that you do frequently and giving the right person the right message. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like if this is something, let's say you have your own business and regardless of what that business is, and like you said, you find yourself giving the same information, the same email, the same verbal information over and over again, the first step is to write down what you're giving out over and over again. Yes. And yes. then you can sort of build out this information highway for people so that when they sign up for your email, you can, if like, if you have someone who is your business owner and you have all this great content that's going to help their business, they're plugged into that business owner street and that's where all of that information is going. Exactly. Got you it. know, the, the thing about email is the average person, they say, gets between 150 and 200 emails a day. Okay. And most of that, we get up in the morning and I look at mine and I literally pull it up on my phone and I just go click, 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 delete. But 
If you're giving someone information based on what they want to know and what they need to know, those are the emails that you're opening day in and day out. And that's the best way to nurture any type of relationship, whether it be a one-on-one client, whether it be someone in an online program, or any other number of things. And the more time that you can free up from the things that you're doing, the more revenue streams you could potentially create, the more income you can have, the more clients you can see, And honestly, the more you can have some time off and have fun, I don't know about you, but I will tell you my best ideas come from when I'm on vacation laying by a pool with a good book because that's when our creative energy starts to flow. Right. So if you're constantly, like you said, working for the achievement and in it just to achieve more, learn more, achieve more, that maybe that creative side of you is not really working as hard because you're on automation. Sure. It's being stifled on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And let's say someone, um, is, you know, they, they've got some of this, uh, software, whether it be active campaign, convert kit, infusion soft. So they've got the software, they know what to do with it. Is there ever, a time where, let's say, there's a week where you don't have an email to send, what do you do? Or do you just keep, do you know what I mean? Like, do you just keep churning out? Because that can be a little, like, stressful. I can tell you that um, I'm not an advocate of sending an email just for the sake of sending an email. I believe that unless you have something to say, you probably should be in someone's email box. But at the same time, statistics show that your customer probably is going to need to hear from you 7 to 12 times before that relationship is really solidified enough for them to feel like you're the person they want to do business with. So if someone is being exposed to you the first time, you're going to need to nurture that relationship a little bit and you're going to need to show them that you understand them and that you want to help them and that you're the right person before they're probably ever going to pick up the phone or click yes to buy something or schedule a consultation. And so for me, when I sit down to build something like that, I actually build out one email every two weeks and I build out 26 weeks at a time. So that way it's 13 emails it's 26 weeks at a time, and then I have some time to go build the next 13 emails. And so it's a really good way to, again, stay top of mind without overdoing it if you don't have something to say. Right, right, exactly. And then I feel like as the person sending up the emails, like you're just feeling stressed or overwhelmed or, you know, a, a lot of times people may look at the emails that are are coming and think, oh my goodness, I I could never do that. So, you know, maybe this isn't for me. So So what advice do you have for that person who's feeling overwhelmed before they've even started? I would say that I think that probably 95% of us all started there. 
You know, I don't think that's uncommon at all because I, I think I saw it on Facebook last week. Stop comparing your worst day to someone else's highlight reel. Mm. And it's the fact that nowadays with social media and everything, everyone is talking about the experts. And, you know, this person has been so wildly successful doing this. And so everyone is aspiring to be someone else instead of just being happy with who they are or where they are or maybe where they want to go. So for me, I can tell you that in terms of content creation and putting together emails, putting together blog posts, any number of things, I tend to do that away. So I said we live here in San Diego. I will go over to a hotel in Palm Springs and I will just sit by a pool and I will play for a little while and then I'll write for a little while and then I'll play for a little while and I'll write for a little while because again that's where all of a sudden the creativity starts to come from so when you start to feel overwhelmed I think the best thing to do is to step out of it for a little while and just go away somewhere with a notepad or your computer and Evernote and just take some notes and come back to it when you feel a little less overwhelmed. Yeah, I like your style. That's a good. That's a very, very. That's very good advice. Um, and what about for? Uh, this may go kind of hand in hand, but you know, you mentioned when you look on social media, you see all the people who are, you know, I made this amount of money on my first launch, or I did this on my first launch, and let's say you had a launch and it didn't go as well. Do you just throw your hands up and say, oh, well, screw it. This no. person this person made $500,000 on her launch, and I only made $5,000. So, $500 or $50, you know? It is so funny that, again, we're, we're all seeing these people that are talking about the fact that they had a $150,000 launch or a million-dollar launch, and... That is not, not, not the norm. Uh, when I created my first online program, it was for women that wanted to open a bar studio. And it was, it's a $10,000 program. And that market is not really big. You know, there are not a lot of people that have $10,000 to be able to invest in the program. And then the other thing is, that someone has to have fifty dollars to $100,000 to be able to open the studio after they pay me. So when I put it out the first time, it fell flat. And it was so funny because I had a business coach. My business coach had helped me kind of all along the way. And when it fell back flat, she's like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't know why. And when I sat down and really thought about it, I realized how small that market was and I was launching it through Facebook ads. Well, that's not really going to help me, even though Facebook ads is amazing to be able to target someone, it's not necessarily the easiest way to find immediate buyers for certain types of products and services. So what I ended up doing which looking back was brilliant, but it was a byproduct of a failed launch 
is that I also really loved certifying instructors. And so I worked with the American Council on Exercise to put together a bar certification that was a lower cost program. And all of a sudden, that had a large market. And that launch went a lot more successfully. But had I given up after I'd fallen flat on my face the first time, then I would have just thought, you know what, I would never be able to make it. Everyone else, they can do it, but I can't. And a lot of times, it's just about going back and looking at what worked and what didn't work and how you're going to adjust going forward. Yeah, no, that, I think that's great advice. So rather than throwing up your arms and saying, oh, well, I suck at this because I didn't make X amount of money, go back, look at what you did, what worked, what didn't, rejigger it a little bit, and then try it again. Sure. And honestly, I will tell you one thing that I've been so surprised about, the online space is really very friendly. So if someone has a problem with a launch, reach out. I can say that I still, to this day, I have multiple VAs, but I still read my own email and I still respond to my own email because I feel like that is my way to connect with people. And so if someone ever gets stuck, I always encourage them, send me an email. I'm happy to at least just kind of hear what you did, what worked, what didn't work, and give you some tips going forward. And I don't charge for that because, again, we've all been there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, we've all been there. And, you know, I think perhaps – Using the technology we spoke about earlier can maybe help with those those uh, launches of an online product, and also knowing your audience mm. and and knowing where that audience is, how to reach them, and really what are they looking for? What do they want? What do they need? What do they want that they don't even know they want, <laughs> or what do they need that they don't even know they need? Yes. Um, I think also makes a big difference. Um, and, and that can be a whole other, a whole other podcast, I think. Um, so what do you, what do you have now moving forward? Where, where are you going from here? So I'm really excited. Uh, this has been a huge year for me in terms of retooling my business. Um, I actually closed one of my studios last year and I have, the other one, I brought in a full-time manager that now manages the studio, and I've spent a lot more time in my business side of my business. And so I'm doing a little bit more one-on-one -on -one consulting. I'm getting ready to launch a new membership site, and my membership site is meant to be very simple and very practical and actionable for people that are just getting started in this space or who have struggled in this space and don't know why. And is this so, just for Pilates or for bar or is this for So anyone? this is for business owners. Okay. So this and it's it's meant in particular for women because stereotypically as women we're less excited about technology. We tend to want a little bit more of that one-on-one -on -one, uh, direct touch kind of experience. 
So it's meant to help women identify their ideal clients, really speak to them as if they were speaking one-on-one over a glass of wine, making that person genuinely understand who they are, where they're coming from, and what it is that they're going to do to help. So it's meant for that person that maybe is a little afraid of technology, they want to create their own first program and don't know how, or maybe they've had a launch before and they haven't been successful. It's really about breaking it down into the simplest forms possible, implementing one piece at a time, and then building on it. So that's one of my big things. And then my other thing is that I have a new book coming out this summer. So, yeah. And what's the name of the book? The book is called The Great Escape, and it is The Successful Woman's Guide to Escaping the 9 to 5. I love it. It's written for who I was at this point 11 years ago when I knew that I needed to make a change, and I just didn't know how. And so when we were talking before about getting a financial advisor and all that, it's all of those things to help you better understand your personal financial situation, to go and evaluate a business opportunity, maybe to um, identify who your ideal client is, all those different things that you would need to do and know before you left a steady, secure job. That sounds amazing. Um, and that's, believe me, I, I will be recommending this book because I get a lot of those questions from people because I was sort of doing the side gig with a nine to five and then phased out the nine to five and the side gig became the main gig. Uh-huh. So I get a lot of questions from physical therapists all over the country about that. So this sounds like a great resource for them. Sounds perfect. Thank um, you. Yeah. And one quick question before we... And I say quick, but one quick question before we end here. Um, You know, you had said that, uh, talking about women business owners in particular, what are the, if you were to say two or three of the biggest, I don't even, it's challenges isn't quite, quite, let's say mindset challenges that women have that might hold them back from, you know, either jumping into a business or even expanding their present business. Oh, mindset is so crucial, and unfortunately, I think as women, we can even think we have beat it, and we're on the other side, and we still find those doubts creeping back in over and over again, but it's a fewfold. One, I think, as women, we always wonder if we're good enough, and is what I have to offer really any different or any more valuable or anything better than what's already out in the marketplace. But what I think that a lot of times we don't think about is that we do business with people that we know, we like, and we trust. And there can be someone else out there in the marketplace that genuinely has the absolute best product in the world, but it might not be the right product for you because you don't quite mesh or gel. So as women, we have to constantly break through that mindset place where we're not enough because there's probably someone just like us that is waiting for us to share our gifts 
and our secrets with the world. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is action. You know, you can have the best ideas in the world, but until you actually implement something, you're not, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. So you just have to put it out there. And again, I said, a lot of us have fallen flat on our face. It's a learning experience. And a lot of the best business coaches will tell you, fail fast. Because if you fail fast, then you know what doesn't work. And you can jump in and tweak and make it better. Yeah. So, yeah, we can talk ourselves out of acting all day long. We just have to jump in and do it. Got it. Well, I mean, so for all you ladies out there listening and maybe you want to open a practice, you want to take your business to the, the next level, uh, think about that mindset that what you have to offer is good enough and, and not even better than good enough. And, and that you just have to take action. So don't be afraid to take action on it. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, and on that note, um, we are going to kind of wind things up here. So where can someone get in touch with you if they want to get your help? Sure. So you can email me at amy, A-M-Y, at amymewborn.com. And that's A-M-Y-M in Mary, E-W, B as in boy, O-R-N as in Nancy.com. You can go to amymewborn.com forward slash free for some of our freebies. And then we actually, as we launch the book, we're going to have amymewborn.com forward slash book. And if you go there, then on our first week of the book, we're going to give it away for free. Woohoo. All right. And um, for everyone listening to the podcast, um, I will be keeping in touch with Amy and we'll find out what that is. And make sure that you all know so that you can all get her book. Um, all right. Well, Amy, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Oh, social media. So I'm pretty simple. It's uh, You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much any of the above. And it's Amy Mewborn. All right. Well, that's easy. <laughs> and, of course, everything will be in the show notes. You can always go over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And we'll have links to everything for you there. Uh, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. This is a great talk. Karen, absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right. And everybody, thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Karen Litzy NYC. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.